Welcome to Track and Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Whitehead. And I'm Ellen White. Today, our guest, somebody that I've known for a very long time, but some of the things that she'll be telling me as a professional athlete, I've never heard before. The guests we've got lined up on our podcast are incredible. And today's guest is Rebecca Adlington. And we're super excited um, to talk to her all about what it's like to be a woman in sport and also hear not just about being an athlete, but what's it, what's, who is Rebecca Adlington, the person behind the athlete? Um, she talks about her trolling online. She's really open and honest, refreshing conversation, also about menstrual cycle. What's it like to be an athlete and having to deal what with that at the that? same time? Exactly. What is that? <laughs> and that's all we'll be discussing. And I think it's really incredible to hear about her legacy as well. Um, you know, she wants to be involved in getting as many kids as possible um, swimming, and it's an incredible life skill. And we can't wait for you to hear about um, all about Rebecca Adlington. Today we have Miss Rebecca Adlington, OBE, multi gold medalist, businesswoman, TV personality. Beck started to swim at the age of three. It was a time when she started to fall in love with swimming. And as soon as she started, we all knew that she was going to be a star and one of Britain's greatest ever swimmers. Gold medals at the Olympics and World Championships followed, 10 in total. Wow, unbelievable. With double gold in China. In Beijing in 2008. That was a springboard for not just herself, but also for women in sport. This is Rebecca Adlington. Um, I hope I don't sound too cheesy when I say this, but um, you're a huge inspiration to me. Um, What you've achieved, um, you know, the ultimate honour of winning uh, four Olympic medals is just amazing. But you went on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Like, that's... (laughs) That's it for me, Joe. <laughs> That's a big tick. That's a big tick for me. <laughs> um, no, um, is it this in Wales or somewhere? Yeah, it's so random, isn't it? Imagine, imagine being on be it this year. Oh no, nah. Australia. Where, like, yeah, I, it, do, it doesn't compare. Wales is beautiful, but I'm, I'm, the is, is there any good hotels in in Wales? You know, oh, it's gotta be. Versace, <laughs> <laughs> but still. <laughs> right, well, I'll, I'll come back to I'm a celebrity, I promise. Um, so, to kick it off, um, we've all experienced uh, both positive and negative comments online. You know, you've spoken out about the abuse you've received. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what that looked like for you in terms of the trolling that you faced and also, you know, how you came out the other side as well? Yeah, it's one of those that, um, I, I sound really old when I say it, but 12 years ago, social media wasn't quite what it is now, which yeah. sounds really weird, but like I didn't have Instagram at the time. It was mainly Twitter. Um, and I think we all, if you've, whatever competition that you've just done really well at, you get so many messages, don't you? And they're all praise and they're all amazing and well done and congratulations. And then my followers starting to increase. Then all of a sudden, it was like this golden rule that you got for so many followers, and then boom, the abuse hits. Mm. It kind of draws you into this false, false sense of security that you're like, "Oh, this is good." And then all of a sudden, it's like bang, hits you. And for me, it was just one of those to start with, where it was all based on my appearance, and I was just kind of like, at first, I, a, I felt that it was very personal, and secondly, I was like. How does this got to do with my my swimming? Mm. It's kind of like when you're yeah. a and a sports person, you just go, "What difference does it make what we look like?" Or we're not trying to be models or anything else. As long as for me, as long as I get through the water as fast as I possibly can, 
what difference did it make? And that's kind of what I didn't understand. And obviously, being a swimmer, everything was related to a dolphin, whale, shark. Very something a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just one of those as well that then people start talking about you on different shows. And for me, a big lift off was when Frankie Boyle made a comment on, I think it was Mock the Week or so, so one of those shows. And he made it about loads of different people. It wasn't just me that he, he picked on. It was everyone. And he simply made the comment that I looked like a looking at like I'm looking into the back of the spoon or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, I think once that sort of stuff starts to happen as well, it's kind of like, oh, well, if he can, everyone can. And it kind of jumps on this bandwagon. Um, and and how, did, how did that make you feel, Bex, at that time? It was one of those, I've never met him. I've, it was nothing personal. I've never made it personal for me. I've like, Never met him. Don't know. I'm not. Wasn't a massive fan of his to start with, but only because I'm really niche with my comedy. I'm quite like I really like things that are like stories and everyday and really relatable stuff. That's my sort of comedy. I just like that. Um, so I hadn't watched it at the time. It was only when there were so many complaints put in that it really kind of got brought to life through the media. So mm. I wasn't bothered about him saying it. He's welcome to his opinion. Like I don't have yeah. any at all with him go for it it was just a case of I think once somebody else does that's in the public eye it almost gives everyone that entitlement that if he can I can and then that's that's when it was just one after the other one after the other of just a constant stream of just trolling and, and do you think because myself and Ellen have had those moments as well obviously myself with with the Paralympic golds and and Ellen with with a golden boot and those those moments at the, at the World Cup is there any advice that you would you would give to like young athletes that's 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 coming into the sport now around that because I think that's really important like there'll be there'd be youngsters that are watching today going, yes, that's something that I'm really scared about not just for myself but also for my family and how are they going to react? Yeah, and I think that's really different. I think it's harder. You probably guys have found it the same. It's harder for your loved ones and family than it almost is for you because you just block, ignore. you do whatever you guys do, but I block and just ignore and I just carry on with my day. Whereas when you start to tell your loved ones or people that you care about, they get so angry and so hurt. I get I got to the point where I just was like, I'm not telling anyone anymore. And it was just easier just to not say anything. But it does really upset your family and friends. Of course it does. Yeah. But I think my advice is just to find your way with it. And I think for me, blocking. But I see on Twitter people coming back with so many amazing, funny comments that are just hilarious. And they, for me, they crack me up. I'm not clever or witty enough to come up with those. <laughs> <laughs> to block and ignore, but and it's whatever works for you. So blocking, I don't want to give them the attention. I just no. think I'm going to block yeah. and ignore you. And I think as well, it, it's. I think athletes we're very like ruthless, critical people. Anyway, we're we're very tough on ourselves. But I think when it comes to that sort of outside stuff, we can bat it off very well. Yes, we're all human at times, but I feel like athletes just we're so focused on performance. And you're so focused on, well, as long as my performance is good. I think if any of us got a, a message, like kind of a, saying, oh, you, well, you could have done that kick better, or you, which you could have done uh. that. <laughs> we'd be like, yeah, fair enough, I probably could. <laughs> That's so true. But, yeah, it's like, oh, gosh, you're ugly and you're fat and all this sort of stuff. You're like, oh, my it's God. ridiculous. It's, yeah. so, it's so extreme to you because you just, 
I think as well, we're all really nice people. Like I'm not trying to be big there, but we're all nice, normal people. And actually, we wouldn't dream of sending that to somebody else ever. So we no. understand it. So a lot of my advice to kind of younger people is don't try to understand it because you won't. If you're no. a good person, you won't understand. I've tried to put myself in their no. shoes. I've tried to think, oh, well, I feel sorry for them. You try to go down that path and I just think, don't bother because you'll never understand why they do it because you're just no. never like that 100% I think it's just trying to almost like rise above it isn't it really and you know I've I've experienced it at the World Cup in 2019 I, I literally just came off social media I just thought I just don't want it to have a detrimental effect on on my performance I think that like you said the performance was my main priority yeah. and but those comments can really just make you just feel horrendous like your mental health and just performances just make you feel awful and same with like family. Like, I've had family where they're almost like searching out the comments and I'm just like, I don't want to hear it. Like, please, like, it doesn't yeah. matter to me, but it does really affect them. And that's what I found really challenging with my family. Yeah. yeah. And I think when you've got, a, when you've got a, a, a difference to other people as well, when you've got, got a visual difference, like you say, if, if somebody picks up on something or in my case with a disability, then they can target that. And I think initially, you, you kind of do laugh it off, but in later life, I think you do reflect on some of those 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 messaging and those comments. Like, obviously, as I go out with my friends and they say, oh, are you getting legless tonight, Rich? And I'm going, well, as a joke, it's okay, maybe a little bit funny, but really yeah. it's not really that appropriate. So mm. it, sometimes I do actually hurt those comments, and and, and that's why some of the trolling that, that people do, those keyboard warriors really is a dark side of sport that some of the younger athletes don't understand how to manage appropriately. No, and I think you don't because at the end of the day, not any of us get into our sport for getting social media followers. That's not why we do it. No, no. It's up to you. And then I feel really sad that you kind of felt like you had to come off because I just yeah. feel like, why should we? My point has always been, why should I come off? Why should I be bullied so much that I should give up on talking to that 14-year-old that messages me going, I've got a competition this weekend. We wish me good luck. And I kind of like, there's so many lovely people in the world, mm. yeah. lovely people on social media. And I, I, I'm sure you guys experience the lovely side as well. And I don't want to stop that just for those that want to be mm. jealous or nasty or hurtful or anything else. And I kind of don't want them to win. I'm kind mm. of like, I'm so competitive that I'm like, I'm not going to let you win. I'm not going to do it. And you, you retired at the age of 23. Was that was that a circumstance because of some of those things that you were experiencing at that time? Or was that a different reason? No, no, that was just, it's a young sport. It's like gymnastics. It's such a young sport. And I think, for me, I'd achieved everything. Nothing was going to get better than a home Olympics. I was never going to get greater than that moment. So it was no. kind of like, do I carry on for four years and just kind of hurt myself a lot more? My body was starting to, like, you know, your body just can't cope so much as it gets older. You need a lot more rest and recovery and everything else. And I just thought, I just wanted to do other things. I wanted to set up my own swim. There was other passions that I started to have. And I think, you know, when that love has kind of, you would always love your sport, don't get me wrong, and we all love our sport. You'll always be a fan of your sport, whether you're competing or not. But I think for me, I was like, I want to go there and not to training. So that's a big sign for me. I was like, oh, no, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that that part of your kind of life, like, finished in terms of 
your your swimming aspect and competing and then you kind of went into working with like Slazinger and design and creating your own kind of swimwear is that something that you want to kind of continue is that something you want to delve more into um I think, I think it's one of those that no matter what sport you do it's like you you'll probably always want your own football boots and <laughs> you know what I mean like you'll always- I think so would yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like we only have a costume to put our personality in. That is it. Yeah. Like, I see the athletics guys, and you watch—they've got their chains on their hair. Like you see all sorts of things when you're looking at the girls in the athletics arena, and they've like their makeup, the makeup, the nails, their everything. We can't do any of that. Nail polish comes off in the water. We can't wear any makeup. We've got wet hair. We've got nothing. <laughs> so I think the only way we can experience a bit of personality or a bit of whatever is through your swimsuit and what you wear and obviously the technology and everything else but I think that's the nice thing that comes when you do achieve a bit of something that you have them opportunities to do and I hey I'm extremely extremely lucky for the things that I've been able to do um after sport that I definitely don't take for granted that I've just been like oh my god it's been amazing to have that opportunity and I appreciate that I wouldn't have otherwise because I'm just a girl from Mansfield so I'm very I'm very pleased that I have and do you think um, as part of your role, it's also really important to invest that knowledge back into something like the attire, attire that you actually do wear in the pool? I, I feel it's really important. What, what, what do you feel about that? I think that it's one of those that the technology with swimming, like with what we wear and everything else, like is so technical and ours has been really reduced. Whether you guys can remember in the sport, we had like the super shiny suit era that like went crazy and went nuts so we're really strict back now we're really like 100% textile there's quite a lot of rules and regulations over that sort of stuff now and um, we can only go to the knee and all that sort of stuff so there is a lot of, of rules and everything now but I think you always want to give back to your sport in whatever capacity like I've had conversations with British women where I'm like if anyone ever wants to get in contact with me just do like no matter how big or small you just want to give back to your sport because you love and you live and breathe it for years and you kind of feel like I still love swimming, don't get me wrong. I still go for a swim for a swim and I still obviously do the commentary when it comes to swimming, but you're still such a big fan for it. You've still got this huge passion, you've still got this outlet that you want to get rid of, that you just like anything I can do to promote swimming or help that world of swimming that you just want to do. And I think we all feel like that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done what we've done at such a high level. Yeah, hundred percent. And I've I've got a funny story that Rich has actually told me about um, one of his sprint suits was so tight that he had to wear it so close to his event um, because it was squishing his um, area. <laughs> um, and I was just wondering, like, did you ever, when you were competing, did you ever wear something that was so uncomfortable that you didn't feel comfortable in? Like, was, or was it all absolutely fine and, you know, you got, got to choose it? I can't no. believe you brought that up. It's uh, terrible. So, sorry about that, Rich. <laughs> I think swimming's probably even worse. I mean, we've seen it all in swimming. Like, you only have to bend down on the block and your swimsuit can rip at the back. And it's, <sighs> it, it happens quite a lot that there's been a lot of incidents. But the swimsuits, you basically have to fit them two sizes too small. And they're oh, so wow. I've once dived in and had my boot pop out. <laughs> <laughs> the camera wasn't underneath my lane it's only one camera that's on the yeah. bottom of the pool and it wasn't my lane so I was like, <laughs> I was like 
what one <laughs> one difficulty that I have is you know you put you put it on really tight and then I've, I've, I'm really hydrated and then I want a wheel or a poo. Yeah. So trying to get it back off, how do you cope with that? Because I'm like, I have to go for number two before I go out onto the track. What about yourself? No, same. We always have to work. And you just like you've just got to embrace it. You get to the point for for swimmers. I don't know what it what your material is, but our knuckles are like red, raw, blistered from just on and off. So you'll always see swimmers with like red knuckles just from getting the suit on and off. But I can't have it that tight. I have definitely no to have a little squat down and a little pee next to the ball. <laughs> Luckily, I haven't because I always need the number two like you, Rich. <laughs> so I couldn't do that. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I feel like my experience is not quite the same. We just had massive baggy shirts. I didn't have to like squeeze myself into anything. So I don't feel like my experience is quite that... that um scary to be honest but you know I, I feel really lucky actually that we we've been like given like bespoke kind of women's kits now so like you know the the funding the the exposure now has just been so amazing that you know we'll be able to have kind of bespoke kits that are kind of fitted to women so um I think that's amazing that the growth of kind of women's footballers or, or women's sport has definitely grown yeah but the thing is it's what's mad for a lot of people because they would have gone surely that's the given you get yeah. that unit, women's uniform in any other kind of most other walks of life. It's a man and woman's uniform. Whereas that's what's mad is the fact that you're now saying it in a way that that should be an essential. It's now that you're going, oh, well, it's so lucky that we've got that. That should have always been. <laughs> I feel like it's always me that I, I'll walk in and be like, oh, my God. Like, I'm just, yeah. I, th- I think that's just the way I've been kind of women's women's football's kind of grown but yeah you are you are right I'm I'm always just like I'm so lucky woo like but yeah you are right we we should have probably had it from the beginning but at least well <laughs> hopefully hopefully it will continue I'm glad you didn't have to deal with men's snowsuits that's <laughs> 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 and I know you I know you obviously wear different uh training attire for like competitions and training but we me and Alan were talking about like our favorite training sessions that we we like at uh, within our sports and mine's mine's changed from obviously marathon to uh on the track and at the moment my favorite track sessions uh eight to 250s which is like 250 meters put your foot down you've got four minutes to do one and then you recover and then you go back and do it again my coach is on a bike and literally smashing me and li- i can't i can't move never mind breathe after so um ellen what's your what's your favorite Session. That sounded really easy, by the way. That just sounded like a walk in the park. <laughs> that blind. I'm, I'm, I'm 44, so it has to be easy. Did you say that was your favourite one as well? No. Yes, yeah, favourite. Okay. I love no, it. that's that's not my favourite. Um, mine's just basically playing football. So five a side competition, no fitness, just running, having fun. Um, that's my favourite. We don't ever get to do that really in at training. Um, so that's probably my favourite one. What what about what was your kind of favourite session, Becky? I'm a distance swimmer, so I wouldn't class them any as my favourite. <laughs> I'm the opposite of Rich that I, and you experienced this probably when you were doing the marathon, that you literally, as any sort of distance swimmer, you have minimal rest. It was always, I was the first in, last out the pool. I literally had time probably just to take a sip of water and carry on again. I got max five, ten seconds rest. That was it before going again. So yeah, it didn't quite happen, but um, I definitely don't miss them days of doing like 10 400s and all that sort of stuff in the pool. It was just like, it was, yeah, 
definitely don't miss those. Now I go for a swim and I do 2,000 meters max. I'm like, oh, that was really yeah. light. <laughs> just leisurely yeah so was there ever like a um, situation or scenario that ever like affected your training that was kind of like out of your control um I think there's probably I think there's a lot I mean we all experience illness injury things like that um for me there was a period when I was younger before Beijing um I had glandular fever and post fatigue and my sister had encephalitis which is the brain virus um, and my sister was in hospital, she was in intensive care, and that was just the period in my life that we were just dealing with family illness. And my sister's was way bigger than mine. I wasn't in hospital or anything else. But I think when things like that takes over, when life takes over, it puts everything into perspective. Um, and I still went swimming, don't get me wrong, but it was one of those that I went to the back of the lane. I just took it easy, constantly checked my heart rate, never went over like 140 beats, just totally fixed just really really slow really steady swimming and just like you said earlier just got back to the basics of swimming and um, just worked on technique and things like that but it's very I don't know how you find being ill or injured but oh my gosh I used to hate it oh, I used to get so, yeah so frustrated and I'd always go back too soon then always put myself back a week yeah. so I back too soon instead of resting for a couple more days and I think every athlete's the same aren't you you just miss it so much and you feel so much guilt I used to feel out of guilt for not going even though I wasn't sat at home going oh I'm just not going to turn up I was genuinely ill or injured but you just feel this immense amount of guilt and that you should be there and that your competitors are there and you're missing out and that you're putting yourself back and I think you just go around on this mental loop don't you that's just not healthy <laughs> I feel like that is such like um you know when you're competing at, at the top level I feel like ev- that kind of thing is like ingrained in us that we're always thinking what is our competitor doing oh my god I feel so guilty why am I not doing that maybe I'm not eating the right thing why am I not training but I'm injured but I need to be doing that but I'm always when I'm injured I'm trying to find the tiniest little thing that I can do but then like you say then I'm back again for a week and I'm like oh why did I do it like it's just so frustrating um in in terms of like when you were competing um did you ever kind of discuss or ever talk about like the menstrual cycle or was that like a a taboo subject as it were it was one of those that when I was really young it was it was one of those that I'm from a very um even though it's a very mixed sport don't get me wrong men and women are very very equal it's a male dominant coaching environment Mm -hmm. we had one female um team manager the rest were all male and I can remember doing a we went out to Australia and we did a competition and I sound absolutely rubbish I will openly say it was from jet lag we had just competed back home we got on a flight then literally landed there the next two days later when you're dealing with jet lag and I don't know if you guys experience and go to Australia and the jet lag hits you hard and then started competing again I raced awful and I had the head coach who was a male at the time sends the female team manager to, to my room knocked on my door and went have you swam bad because you've started your period I was like oh. <laughs> I was like oh you were wow. kidding me I was like for starters, I don't think that equals swimming bad all the time. I <laughs> explained to you about hormones. You can still swim and you can still do these things. I was like, and I just found it as if you sent somebody to my room to ask me that. And I think it's one of those that 
as women, you don't go around flaunting it in front of your male. I had a male coach. I'm not going to go up to him and be like, stop a period! But at the same time, I was very open. I could be like, if I was in an immense amount of pain, just saying, yeah. look, I've got really bad stomach cramps today. And he was like, okay, I got it. Like, I didn't need to say any more than that. I didn't need to go into details, but I just communicated it to him. So I found it so disrespectful when then somebody patronized you about it. Yeah. Somebody questioned you about it. And I was like, I started my period when I was 11. I will openly wow. say that. So I was very young. And this person was, 50, they asked me when I was 15. And I was kind of like, I've been dealing with it for four years. I think I've got it under control. Yeah. I'm dealing with it. And it was just one of those that dealing with that environment, it's just kind of like, come on, guys. Like, it's just ridiculous. We all go through it. Do you find the advertising campaigns, like the ones at Tampax, like really, really like educational, like get it up there, girls? <laughs> Did you, do, you, do you find that helps, educators, um, males? You know what? It's so funny because I have actually spoken to a couple of my guy mates that I'm now friends with that are from the world before it. I've said stuff to them and they've gone, well, what have you done? Do you just take that week off swimming? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, if I need to be that person to educate people, you can uh, on your periods. There is tam- tampons out there. It doesn't go into the water or anything like that that people have this perception of. I'm like, you can pretty much still do everything, guys. It's like, <laughs> not one of those, but yeah, it does make me laugh. I feel educated. <laughs> I'm glad you've learned something. <laughs> I actually, I actually saw a really um, great video that you did in uh, 2016 where you were talking about periods, and you mentioned the mouse is out the house. Could you, could you elaborate for everyone? Periods <laughs> are in the skimpiest little outfit ever, aren't we? Really, like we're not in shorts and t-shirt, we're in tiny costume, and it's one of those that. Tampons seem to come with an extremely long <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it's one of those that sometimes in swimming, it can pop out of your swimming cosy. And I think the girls are, girls are brilliant with it. Girls are straight away going, oh, your, your mouse is out of the house. Come on, tuck it in or go to <laughs> yeah. the like, we'll give a head up to anyone. And like, even if like someone's dropped something, Paul side, you're like, oh, girls. And like, we look out for one another. And to yeah. be fair, Guys are great. Any male for that are absolutely brilliant with it as well. Yeah, they take the mick a little bit, but we take the mick just as bad, like on other stuff. And it's just kind of like, it's just, you just get to that point. We talk about, athletes talk about poos so much. We talk about poos as an athlete so much. And I think that sort of, anything like that, I mean, we don't get to wear makeup. So anything to do with like spots or hormones, Period, poo, all that sort of stuff. You just like, yeah, whatever. If, 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 if the the period is the women's kind of funny topic to talk about, what's the male one? Well, males always kind of like a lot of the guys would trump on us. That was like, oh, really? yeah. It's, water- it's not about getting too excited then in the swimming pool, then, no. <laughs> Not so much those quite like, trunks. It's more a case of ripples in the water, and the guy finds it really funny to do that. <laughs> and yeah, all that sort of stuff. They like to just have a joke about and all that sort of stuff. So no, we can easily just wind them up just as bad. We we will leave period soon, but I did watch a clip from I'm a Celebrity where you had the genius idea of using your tampon to light the, the campfire. <laughs> 
You know what? I thought they were genuinely going to light the fire for us. I genuinely <laughs> <laughs> And then when we got in there, not one of us could light a fire. We were like, where's the matches? Where's like there's something to help us out here? There was, we must have spent two hours trying to light that fire. Oh, wow. And, like, throw anything on there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it going. Come on. I'm just going to point where I was like, just get this fire lit. It's pitch black. It's carbon. Just get it going. Oh. Oh my! Can you like talk to us like how that came about? Like you coming on or going on I'm a celebrity and like your experience of what it was like. Oh god, it was amazing. When they first contacted me to do it, I was like, oh my god, no way! I'd be awful. Like it's just, I was just like really put off. Um, and then I kind of chatted with them a couple of times. They were like, look, it's so much fun. This is what it entails, and blah blah blah. And I just was like, okay, let's just do it. I didn't fully disclose how scared of snakes I am my advice yeah that was a good idea whatever you say you're really scared of they'll put you with that (laughs) I just don't like most things (laughs) don't like and they were like well what are you like with snakes and I was like I'm not a massive fan but everything's just the same level of scary where in real life I can't even look at a snake <laughs> I put my daughter for any sort of farm or so and there's a snake there I can't even look at it I'm like oh I'm like, <laughs> that's smart though that's smart though I think I didn't disclose how fully scared I was of that so that was all right but it's you don't I feel like with a lot of the other shows like I could go out and learn to dance or I can go out and learn to cook or you can go out and replicate them and yes they wouldn't be anywhere near as amazing don't get me wrong but with I'm a Sub, it's such a unique experience that you're going to be stuck with 11 strangers in this campsite and that it's just you're doing all these crazy challenges and it was just the most biggest amount of fun ever and i'd recommend anyone to do it it's absolutely amazing if they asked me to do it again i'd say yes hands down <laughs> even even in wales even in wales. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun so much fun and what about the bush tucker trials what's uh what's your experience there did you did you do one and what did you have to eat we didn't have as many eating ones as they do now like now it's like everyone seems to do mm. the whereas I think only like three or four people did them my year um I had to just do the one where they I had the water one of course I did um, yeah. it's just in a tank and you get the crops and eels and crabs and everything and get all the stars and had one where we we did a night one where we had to sit on a bus with I had to sit 30 minutes in this snakes bit my gosh that was the longest 30 minutes of my life I thought I was a cheat about die I was just like I hated that that was just horrendous um, but the last one, I think you're so hungry and, and like we're competitive. So we don't want to let the team down. So you just give it your all. And don't get me wrong, the food that you get in camp, I, again, thought we would get like nice burgers or sausages or things like that that you get in camp. No way. Like we just got given a whole pot in one night. So it's just like a rat is a pot. And you, oh. we just that. And Key and Egan from Westlife sat there and skinned and took all the meat oh. off and I was like this is gross and it was just for the, even the food that you got given I think one night we had like kangaroo kidneys or something and I was like oh god I can't eat that it was just yeah some of the stuff wasn't even nice in camp do you think your performance mindset um helped you at all within that environment do you think it gave you a an edge or was it just as competitive as you thought or I think it's one of those I didn't expect the boredom to hit as much 
And I'm like, as a distance swimmer, and with being a swimmer, I used to stare at a black line for four hours of the day on the bottom of the pool. So it was kind of like, I think that helped because a lot of other people couldn't deal with the boredom aspects. You do just sit there a lot of the time. With the food, I mean, I think we can all tolerate a, a strict diet or whatever. So I was a bit fine with the food. It wasn't like, yes, I was hungry, but I wasn't like crying or kind of, it wasn't a massive issue, whereas the boredom for a lot of people hit. Whereas I'm like, yep, my swimming's coming handy here. I'm using it. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. And I just did like, anybody Did anybody struggle with the, the eating at all? Anybody that you were with? Oh, God, yeah. A lot of the people were just like, it was mainly the beans because the, the rice is fine. It's just like going to Wagamama's and getting order of rice. The rice was lovely. It was fine. It was the beans. The beans were like, I don't even know what type of beans they were, but they were like dry. It was like eating plain crackers. Like your mouth is just, they're horrible. It's not like baked beans or nice beans or, <laughs> or anything like that. It's like they were so hard to chew and swallow. And it was just the beans were really difficult. And there was loads of people that was just like, I'm not eating them. And you were just like, you kind of have to eat them. Otherwise, you're literally surviving off no calories. Like, you, have to <laughs> um, you just have to get on with it. But yeah, a lot of people eat, uh, really struggle with the food. And the, I think the food causes the most arguments because everyone then tries it when you're eating and it's not fair then when you do it. I think food just causes the most arguments and stress in camp, definitely. What, what 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 did you like take away from like the experience? Like, did you learn anything about yourself or that you kind of use like going forward now? Um, I think loads of different things. I mean, you take for granted just running water every day and kind of like it was so weird when we came out. Like we were only there three weeks, but being in a room that had a roof really freaked us all out. We all kind of had this thing where we couldn't sleep for like three days because all of us were getting used to being in a room and the floor being flat and think just simple things yeah uh, so I think things like that but for me personally it was the first time I've ever been with what I class as famous celebi people that <laughs> environment before and um, with just being around your teammates or whatever else and it was the first time I'd openly talked to other people that have been through what I had been through with whether it was trolls, whether it was body image, whether it was um, a nasty article written about me in a paper, kind of that side of life. Um, and that we've all, it's really hard sometimes to talk to your mates about because they don't know that situation if they've never been in that in the public eye or had any of that experience. Um, so it was the first time talking to people that have been through similar stuff. And I found that really therapeutic, just having a conversation with somebody that knew exactly what I was talking about and could relate. And even though they didn't say anything groundbreaking, I think just somebody that can relate to you and your situation just makes you instantly feel a bit better and you go, you naturally just feel better from having that chat with them. So that was definitely um, an eye-opener for me because I'd never even met another celeb or famous person. So to be in that environment that with them for three weeks and talking to them about their past experiences. And I think we all can openly say, you're probably the same with football. You're in your little bubble. I'm in my little, I've been in my bubble. You've been in your football. You're in your athletic. And I think we all just get used to your own bubble. And you sometimes forget real life is outside. So just listening to other people's stories and their backgrounds and taking bits of advice from them. I just was like, I literally felt like a kid at Christmas every day because I was like, what can I learn today? And who can I <laughs> 
day and like it was just like amazing just kind of being in that environment listening to so many people that had done incredible things that I was just so in awe of that I was just like and I was a little bit starstruck because I was a Westlife fan growing up (laughs) (laughs) Westlife were good don't shake your heads at me terrible no way they're oh no they're amazing I think definitely having like you said, like different conversations with different people from different backgrounds, walks of life. I think it definitely like like broadens your horizon, like it blows your mind sometimes. Because I, I find it when, like you say, when I've come out like my football bubble, just chatting and having those conversations, which which I've done, you know, in via Zoom during lockdown, has really like opened my mind and made me think about different like aspects or avenues. And I think that's really exciting to have those conversations. Yeah, and that's that's where you learn the most as well. I think you can learn so much just from listening to somebody talk. And I think that's what's been so brilliant um, for me with that experience, but also since then, and even during lockdown, I'm the same as you, listening to things. We've had so much more time, haven't we, during lockdown. Kind of like we've seen a lot more stuff of people just being on Zooms and listening to them and podcasts and whatever else. And I think that it's really... Um, made people a lot more aware and socially aware as well which I think is only a bonus 100% and I think you know you're you're such kind of a, a massive kind of female role model um, you know and like what what do you think um, you know you can kind of tell the kind of young generation um, you know how important do you think having a female role model is to those growing up those female athletes and like who who inspired you growing up I think having female role models in sport is hugely important because I look around at sports brands and they're using celebs in their campaigns, which is, I understand why, but I'm like, they haven't got somebody that a lot of them, for me, London 2012 was brilliant because Jess Ennis, Pendleton were all on these magazines and everywhere. And I think that has died down a little bit. I think it's more diverse now that they are a bit more spread out, but I do see, sports companies or uh, uh, brands using celebs over an athlete and I just think why because we need those role models and I think about it just with like my daughter and I just think she my daughter constantly sees on tv football but it's always male football because that's what's on my telly because of my dad and my boyfriend and whatever else and I'm kind of like I feel like it's really important for that younger generation to know women are in sport and that's why like whenever the olympics are on or worlds are on or any athletics i'll turn it on so she's aware um so it isn't just that because i think if you don't look up to that and don't ever see it in in her now she's like mummy football's boring (laughs) (laughs) it's not at all and it's not it's just because for her she just sees that my her granddaddy's watching it all the time and it's just that met so she's like it's for boys is what she always says I'm like why is it for boys Summer she's like because boys play it and boys watch it and I'm like well that's not true it's not yeah like the visibility aspect yeah and I think that's really important and I think especially like I I don't know about you guys growing up I never had an athlete come into my school and show me any sort of trophy or medal or whatever certainly let alone a women athlete so now I love going into schools because like they all associate whenever I talk about Olympics they all go Usain Bolt and Mo Farah and all that sort of stuff but I'm like 
just said it, but I'm like, <laughs> 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 push the girls a lot more because I want people to know it is possible. I don't just want girls to go, well, we're, we're not part of sport and we're not part of that because it is possible to be that. And I think you said it for yourself, the women's side of football, cricket, netball, I think they are growing so much more and they are visible that I'm just really aware of that. Whenever there's anything on round us, even locally, like we take my daughter because I'm like, I just want her to see it. She's part of tennis as well as swimming as other things because I just want her to see that visibility. And hey, if she doesn't get into sport, she doesn't get into sport, but at least I'm setting her up on a lifestyle path then. My thing is, if she's not going to be competitive, which she's probably not, well, then at least she's then healthy and active and she knows that that is what normal women look like. That is what you look like if you go to the gym. Like for the first time in lockdown, she's properly seen me exercise because normally she goes to school and then I go to the gym. Yet this is the first opportunity she's seen me exercise and she's like, mummy, I can do it. And now she can do burpees and, and all that. Sort of stuff. Don't get me wrong, I'm not making her lift weights at five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've been making her do TikTok videos. I've seen them. Yeah, she absolutely loved it. And she's like, and if I say, if I get my gym gear on, she goes, Mummy, are you doing exercise? And I'm like, Yeah. She's like, Can I do it with you? And I'm like, Yes. And that's what we need to give a lot of the the women as well, because I think for boys, it's a lot easier because at school, your lunch break, they instantly go play football. And I think boys, it's a lot more natural, whereas the girls tend tend to just sit there. So I want to give the younger generation that inspiration that no get up let's play football you can play with the boys don't let them intimidate you come on <laughs> and, I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there about the visibility is 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 key to the success of of sport and women's sport and obviously with with some of the platforms that you've you've been on with like I'm a celebrity the chase and master chef question of sport eight out of ten cats you can continue to talk about that and I think Sometimes within our sports, it's very seasonal, maybe, that you'll have every four years, you'd have a Olympic Games, Paralympic Games or Commonwealth Games, etc. World Cups every so many years. But I think it's really important to have that platform to uh, to like showcase your sport and also talk about how passionate you are. We in athletics have had a new CEO, uh, Joe Coates, actually come into position. And I think seeing is believing as well regarding aspiring not just to play or participate but also be in those uh, top jobs like a CEO of the sport is that something that you'd ever look towards doing being a being a, a, a performance director head coach or a CEO of a national governing body definitely not of a national governing body Christ no I've seen how they run I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no I think it's one of those that it tends to they tend to be um not trying to be like they tend to be old because they're not old at all but I think that tends to come a little bit later on in people's career I think it's you've got to go out there and get that other experience first for me my biggest passion is learn to swim because I want to change the perception in this country that swimming is just a sport for me swimming is the life skill I don't want people to see it as a sport sport is secondary to this this is a life skill I mean, I've seen just in the news recently during lockdown, the heatwave, the amount of drownings that are in this country. And I'm just like, we've got to change the mentality that it is a life skill. You go to Australia, everyone can swim. You go to America and it's like there's pools. I understand the facilities are a lot better, but here it's just that we just see that as a, as a sport. And I think we've got to change that mentality because 
Like we have over a million kids. It's 51% of kids leave primary school unable to swim. And that for me is absolutely shocking when we live on an island that I'm just like, from a safety perspective, like my parents didn't get me into swimming thinking I'd go to the Olympics. They just wanted to know that on holiday, I was safe and that they let me go in the swimming pool and that I was going to be all right. And I think that that's what I want to do first. That is my passion rather than elite sport. We've changed that. And with the with your with your learn to swim program, are you also looking at some of those areas that are obviously really struggle with the with what the swimming community and actually getting into swim those BME communities, uh, disability communities? Are they areas that you're working tirelessly to get get involved in swimming for the future? Yeah. Well, that is what our group does. Our our whole learn to swim group. We we we're in across our group. We're a number of different businesses in our group. In our group. We tackle school. Um, we tackle. Uh, they build pools, so they get, they have done loads of work on it. So they look in the country. Where isn't there a pool? Where is the demand there that there isn't a pool for ten miles that they just don't have the option? And they go and build pools there. Um, we're in gym facilities that have disability and access, but they have the chairlifts to get in and out the pool as well. And um, they have those things there. And I think it's hitting communities a lot of Asian communities, Muslim communities, that where it's girl-only sessions, we've got to tackle that. Or what you wear in the pool. A lot of pools now have changed the criteria of if you don't have to wear a costume. If you need or want to cover up, you can fully access the swimming pool now. And they've changed the rules and regulations on what you even have to wear in the pool, um, which wasn't there before. And I think that's huge. If you want to oh, yeah, I think that's massively important that you should feel comfortable and you shouldn't have to compromise on any of your own beliefs just to go swimming. So I think breaking down those barriers, I think, is really, really important. And obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. There is still certainly a lot of areas across the country that can do a lot better and we can target. Um, but we're only a small company. So we, hopefully over the next 10 years, that's definitely what we can grow into a lot more. But that is what we try to do now as a group is make sure that we're covering all our bases with those different elements. In terms of what you just said about what you want to achieve with kids learning to swim by the time they kind of get or leave primary school, like how how would you like to be remembered? Like what, what do you want your legacy to be? Big question. I do, but I just want to be that girl that impacted swimming. And I know that sounds really brief and really simple, but in whatever capacity. And I think it's just one of those that I don't just want to be remembered for, oh, yeah, that girl won a couple of Olympic medals or got a world record. And I think that's what my passion now is that I've changed, hopefully, some of the statistics in this country with swimming that I've kind of just promoters to me and I've lived and breathed the sport and I've impacted that whether I'm going in to do a school visit and showing kids an Olympic medal and just giving them a bit of hope or whatever it is or whether it's the case of my learn to swim and I've saved someone's life that's got into trouble I mean we read so many amazing stories so many of our customers emailing going oh my gosh well my son had this experience this weekend and because he's been to your lessons it saved his life and oh, they wow. amazing powerful yeah they're so powerful so many people say to me now do you not miss sport how do you find that thing that replicates that adrenaline I'm like you just go and see some of these programs where you're affecting the kids and you've seen this little kid absolutely terrified to get in water and then he one week jumps in that will make you smile and make you feel absolutely amazing that it's just happened and I think that's what it is for me I just want to change 
swimming for the better. I want more people to see it as a live sport. I want to change the statistics that we're not having the same amount of drownings that we do in this country. I don't want that to be the situation anymore. I want it to be that, right, we've swum and yet we can save our life now and that we're going to use it. And so many now as well, when, this, when I think about other sports, so many people are getting into triathlons and doing that later on. They've stopped swimming in all of their teenage years. They learned when they were little, stopped. And then they've got into their 20s and gone, oh, I want to do a triathlon or I want to do this. And I'm like, see, swimming did it's yeah it's, it's amazing hearing just how passionate you you are about swimming I know there's so many probably athletes that have competed at the highest level in their sport but then kind of go I, I don't want to have any more involvement in it a little bit do you know what I mean but the passion you show for swimming and what you want to achieve um for kids and the life skill that they have is incredible so um yeah hopefully hopefully we can achieve that well you can achieve that hopefully <laughs> now we've got Mark Foster coming on the podcast soon um and we want to hear if you have any funny stories about him but before you do answer we have a story that involves you both can you talk to us about the time Mark pretended to tattoo your face on his chest (laughs) there were so many rumors that story was in um, (laughs) and there were so many rumors in the press because I put my hand on Mark's leg and mm-hmm. that all came about because Mark doesn't like listening to talk back and having the headphones in when you're doing the presenting. So Mark was in his own world. And then we were coming back on telly. So I, I just pinched his leg going, Mark, we're back on like this. The camera obviously caught me squeezing his leg. Then there was all these rumors that we Mark were together because I squeezed his <laughs> <laughs> Like it was like so cringe. So then we just totally played on it. We were just like, right, we've got to do something. And I didn't know at all. And then one session, he cut my face out. And, sort of, and I didn't think, I was like, where's my heart gone? Like, I, I was literally like, and I didn't know anything. Him and Helen Skelton arranged it. And then all of a sudden, he popped out this, like, <laughs> me, and I was in hysterics. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely hilarious. But one of our stories that I was going to tell about Mark is when we were doing the coverage, and <laughs> we were in studio, and lucky you're over Zoom because Mark sometimes spits when he talks. <laughs> and he will openly tell you this. And we were sat next to each other and he spat on me as we were like, <laughs> this spit just kind of, you see it. Yeah. And it came towards me. At first, I thought it was a fly. So, <laughs> so we were live on it. And I was just like this. I was like, I realized it was his spit. And I could not keep it together. I was crying with laughter. They had to just like go off and go on to something else. Because I was literally like, you just smelled on it. <laughs> it literally came flying. And someone on Twitter, as they geniusly do, um, put it on the clip. They re-ran the telly and put it on the clip. And and then it was going around social media for ages. Mark was spitting on me because it was just <laughs> absolutely hilarious. And it, my my reaction was just like, oh. Uh, so maybe when we've got Mark on, we can have like face masks on, Ellen. <laughs> yeah, shall we? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> Make make you a star. We've had we've had so much fun, and uh, I hope you've actually uh, learned something about myself and Ellen. And um, yeah. we just really appreciate your time. But at the end of every um, 
in a podcast, we actually do like 10 questions. It's just okay. quick fire ones. And okay. they, they are quite random. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, they are very random. They are quite random, yeah. So, so we're starting. It was, so it was just him. First, it was all me, yeah. <laughs> I just um, said, yeah, yeah, we'll go with them, we'll go with them. <laughs> so first thing that comes into your head then, nicely okay. to start with. Are you uh, ready? Tra- clear, clear your mind, clear your mind. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> track, track or ball? Ah, oh, track. Hey. <laughs> So, what's what's your greatest accomplishment in life so far? Can you say your child? Is that an accomplishment? Yeah, of course it is. Okay, my child, then. We <laughs> so, we actually we actually said you'd say that as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm never sure whether your child is an accomplishment, but yeah, well, I think so. <laughs> I think it's sweet. Okay, do you believe in ghosts? No. No. I believe in something, but not ghosts. Okay. Something as in? Well, like, I just believe that maybe, like, some little things we be but I don't believe in, like, a cat for the friendly ghost. Do you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> what, what I'm sure that is. <laughs> What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Um, I don't think I have. I think I'm very boring. I don't think I've ever taken a big enough risk. Maybe that's to come. That's the future. Yeah. Okay. Can you sing? No. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good answer. That. But, but karaoke. What? What would be your go-to song? I do one that has just backing vocals. <laughs> the amount of people that comment on how horrendous my voice is whenever we're in the car, they're like, "Oh God, I'm kind of like known amongst my friends for having this terrible voice." And I'm like, "I don't care," and I never know the world. Is it just me that never know the world? I'm like, just oh, yeah. so I just make them. Up. I make them up. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. It's not Have you ever been on hands free and then you've got a call and you've continued to sing? To the person you actually <laughs> have you ever no. continued? No, but clearly you have. No, I was just yeah, thinking mate, you I must do, have. I do it all the time. I do it all the time, mate. Uh when are you the happiest? So when uh, are you the happiest? When I'm with my family. The silliest thing you ever got upset about? Somebody calling me a dolphin or a whale on Uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, um, hopefully the CEO of my own company um, and that we're going to have over 20,000 kids learning to swim with us every week. And hopefully I'll have a couple more babies myself. That's, good answer. That. That's a very good answer. <laughs> <laughs> How would your friends describe you? Um, honest or opinionated, one of the two. <laughs> Chatty. Love sweets and gin. <laughs> yeah. You say that. Um, yeah, chatty, bubbly. Um, I'm definitely honest. A bit very direct. I'm very black and white. Very black and white. And last but not least, what's your greatest fear? Snakes. I was going to say snakes. It's got to be, isn't it? Oh, and, and the obvious one of death. I mean, everyone's fear is death, right? That's everyone. Everyone's got that in there, but... Definitely snakes. So, so no snakes for Christmas then? Oh, God, no. People that have pet snakes, I don't get. 
I don't. I'm oh, my, my brother had one actually. Oh no, 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 no. And no. it actually escaped out of its glass container and was just going along the radiator. No, <laughs> no, no. So just think of that thought for the rest oh, of the day. <laughs> well, I couldn't step foot in someone's house if I knew they had a snake. No. Thanks, 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 Becky. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for, for coming on. We really appreciate thank it. And thank you for being so honest as well. We really appreciate oh, it. Awesome, you're star. Thank you. Well, and that was our first podcast. Becky Adlington, what a great person to have on. So open yeah. and honest. And uh, I've definitely learned something about what elite athletes at her level go through. She is one of the generation's best athletes. And to be able to get an hour of her time has been such a privilege. 100%. I think, you know, her honesty, um, the way she was talking about what she faced with trolling, I think she was just so on- honest about that. And, you know, it's, it, it is a really tricky situation when, you know, she's literally gone <laughs> from winning, well, she's won gold medals and then social media's flown up and then you've got people talking about you that you don't know and it, it must be so difficult. So, um, you know, she's really come out the other side and she just just such a, an amazing role model for for not just female athletes but I think the whole younger generation boys and girls alike really she just shows how passionate she is about swimming as well you know what we were talking about at the end was you know she wants to get 20,000 kids a week swimming and that's just such a an amazing kind of passion of hers and you know from the way she talks I think she, that she's going to make that happen one of my takeaways was definitely that she's driven and whatever she goes into she's going to be a success and whether that's in swimming or not I'm sure she'll uh, inspire a lot of younger people to get involved in physical activity. And she obviously passionately talks about water safety and how important it is to to learn to swim, whatever community you're from. And I think for me, that is very empowering. So it's a pleasure to obviously start with with, with Becky and it, it sets a high bar for anybody else coming next, I think. Definitely. The high bar for, for what, you know, we've spoken about, the honesty, the, the passion, the drive, but also the energy. It was uh, it was really fun. Um, and, you know, we're really thankful for her to come coming on the first podcast and uh, excited for, for our next guests, really, and uh, what, what's to come with the podcast. But, yeah, amazing and, and a big thank you to Becky again.